Welcome to another episode of the Milwaukee Sports Performance Podcast. Today I'm joined by Ben Heller. Ben is currently a reliever for the New York Yankees. He's originally from Whitewater, Wisconsin, and then he went to Olivet Nazarene University and was drafted in 2013 by the Cleveland Indians in the 22nd round. Eventually, he was traded to the New York Yankees, and in 2016, he made his Major League debut. Welcome to the show, Ben, and thanks for taking the time to come on and share some information today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Glad we could finally sit down and chat about this uh, Tommy John rehab. It's been a long time coming. I know. We've been talking about it for two years, and it took a pandemic and a baseball <laughs> shutdown to yeah. get, get us to do it. Yeah. Uh, no, glad we could finally make it happen, though. All right. Awesome. So just to start start out with, could you just give us a little bit of uh, your baseball background? So how you ended up at Olivet, and then um, maybe when did you think you had a chance to play professionally? Yeah, so I would say I had kind of a somewhat unique or different um, baseball path and career than a lot of my pro teammates have had. Um, growing up, you know, little league, middle school, even high school, I wasn't necessarily like the star player like a lot of my teammates are. Um, I was always just pretty average to, I would even say below average. It wasn't until my junior year of high school that I started taking uh, my training seriously in the off season. And I saw a little bit of a, of a velocity jump at that point. And, and that's kind of when I thought, okay, maybe I could play college baseball, but I still wasn't like an elite high school player. Um, I was pretty decent, but not good enough to get any division one attention or even like the local division three school, UW Whitewater <laughs> didn't, didn't even look at me. Um, so uh, with that being said, I really the only offer I had for, for playing college baseball was at Olivet, and it ended up working out really well. I loved my experience there, met a lot of really good friends, met my wife there, and um, you know eventually ended up getting drafted out of there. But it was definitely an interesting college baseball experience. Um, you know, the, the at the NAIA level, you don't have the resources that you have at a lot of division one schools. Um, we basically had a weight room and, and our head coach was also our pitching coach and our strength coach and our athletic trainer. <laughs> he kind of did everything. So I think though that made me want to learn a lot more on my own. I kind of took matters into my own hands a little bit, not to take anything away from what my coach did, but he had a lot of responsibilities. And um, so I, I would say that was kind of when I started to go down the path of, of really just trying to learn as much as I could about pitching, training, you know, arm health, mechanics, really everything that goes into being the best pitcher I can be. And at that same time, as I started to implement a lot of the things that I learned, that was when I really started to see some good improvements and eventually um, led to me, you know, having the opportunity to play in some good, in some college summer leagues. I played in the Alaska Baseball League after my sophomore year and then in the Northwoods League after my junior year. And I would say um, playing in those leagues was when I really thought, okay, I, I could probably play pro ball. I could compete in the minors because a lot of guys in those leagues ended up getting drafted and I had success against them. And so that was kind of when it became a little more realistic um, that, yeah, maybe baseball could be be a possibility after college yeah next off season we'll have to do a whole uh a separate podcast on uh on all of your development story because i think it's such a good story for kids to hear um but i know today we really want to dive into the tj stuff because we've yeah. been 
been talking about doing it as a blog on our website, and we just mm-hmm. figured this was uh, this was easier. So, unfortunately, a Tommy John surgery in, in 2018. Um, I just know you want to share some insights and kind of give some information for other players going through this. So that's kind of what we're going to try to do today. So let's kind of take it back all the way to the beginning. I know it was a while ago, but um, how long did your elbow hurt or bother you before you decided to have the surgery? Um, and then how did you kind of end up deciding to go down the TJ route? Yeah, so I would say my coming up through the minor leagues, uh, 2013 all the way through 16, um, my velocity was always my biggest strength and my arm never really hurt. Um, I mean, I would get sore, my shoulder would get a little sore, you know, my elbow would get a little sore sometimes, but it wasn't the type of pain that would prevent me from throwing the next day or um, impacting my, my stuff on the mound. In 2017, though, I would say that was the first time that I started to experience a little bit more pain and soreness, I guess, to the extent that it was affecting me. Um, probably the first thing that I noticed was my velocity started to fluctuate a little bit from outing to outing. Um, you know, some games I would be be in, in the upper 90s, which I had become accustomed to being my norm. And then other games I would dip down all the way to 89, 90, 91, which for me at the time was, was kind of a red flag, like, okay, what's going on? Um, and, and my elbow would just be a little more sore, um, than I, than I had ever really experienced before. So that was in 2017, although I still pitched the entire year and had a pretty good season, uh, results wise, I ended the season in the major leagues, um, and had the most success I'd had to date in the big leagues. Um, so, you know, the fact that my elbow hurt was all kind of like beside the point, my, my ultimate goal was to have success in the big leagues. So, right. um, I was fine with it, it you know, kind of something that I was always thinking about a little bit, but not really too concerned. So then come the next spring training, spring training of 2018, I show up, I, I spent the entire off season, you know, working out taking care of my body, training, doing everything that I had done every off-season prior to that. Um, But when I showed up to spring training that year, something was just different once I started to ramp it up and and get into games. Um, I, instead of my velocity fluctuating, it was just never there. So my new normal velocity in spring all of a sudden was 91, 92. And that was when I was really trying to let it go. You know, if I was just trying to throw a get me over fastball, a lot of times I was down to 87, 88. And so that was probably, to me, that was when I knew something was really wrong. And my my elbow really hurt as well. So, I mean, that's kind of like probably the, the biggest red flag is the yeah. amount of pain that I was experiencing. Um, eventually, it just got to the point where where I knew something was wrong, something had to be done. Um, and I had actually been told before by a doctor that I, that I had a really big bone spur in my elbow. So I thought that that was probably what I was feeling and experiencing was just my bone spur kind of acting up and um, affecting, affecting my pitching. So I kind of, I mean, it, it was tough to decide like if I wanted to go in because I knew I was probably going to have to have surgery. Um, nobody ever wants to go under the knife, but, um, it was, it was clearly affecting my ability to pitch at that level. So 
by the end of spring training, I, I went into the trainers and told them like, hey, I think something's really wrong. You need to see the doctor. And so we ended up getting the MRI and um, probably the worst news that any pitcher could ever hear when the doctor sat me down and he said, hey, Ben, uh, hate to hate to tell you this, but you have a partially torn ulnar collateral ligament. And I remember just like like the feeling that you get when your stomach just drops and like it's almost like an out-of-body experience because it's like, whoa, this can't be real. This can't be happening. Um, so, you know, at that point, he's, he said, so it's partially torn. Um, so you, you do have a few options. Um, he said the bone spur is definitely an issue. The bone spur needs to come out for sure. So you're going to need surgery one way or another. Um, you can choose to forego the Tommy John surgery and and if we just take out the bone spur, you're looking at probably anywhere from a two to six month rehab, just depending on how you respond. Um, and then obviously the, the TJ rehab would be a year or longer. Um, so I guess, you know, at that point, just weighing the pros and cons of each, um, if I was going to be out, to me, it was probably going to be like three or four months with the bone spur which would have been at least half of the season that year, regardless. Um, I felt like it was probably smartest to just get the Tommy John surgery right away because worst case scenario would have been get the, t get the bone spur taken out, but don't have TJ and then rehab all of that, come back at the end of that year and my elbow still hurts. And then it turns out I needed TJ all along. So then I miss another full year, so I would have been looking at missing two full seasons, um, worst case scenario. So ultimately, I decided that it was best to just get the Tommy John surgery right away, get everything in there cleaned up, basically give me a whole new elbow and, and hopefully be back the next season. Yeah, I think that's, I think it's interesting. Like everyone sees the, you know, you see the one pitch where like, you know, a guy pulls up and instantly his arms hang in. You like know mm -hmm. something, but yeah. say your story is much more common where it's just, it's this gradual onset over time. And, you know, sometimes there's not that one event. It's just like all of a sudden yeah. it's whether it's completely torn or it's just not doing its job anymore. It just gets mm -hmm. to the point that you can't throw through it anymore. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, it was just, it was something that I maybe could have dealt with. And, and the doctor actually said, if you were, at the end of your career, you know, if you were upper 30s in age and just wanting to pitch another year or two, I would probably recommend that you don't even get surgery at all, even for the bone spur and just try to make it through this. But if you're looking to pitch for another five, eight, ten years, whatever, you are definitely going to need to get this yeah. taken care of at some point. Yeah, no, that's really interesting. So he kind of talked about the, you know, just your kind of emotions and stuff when you hear that but let's say like right after surgery um what was your mindset like you're staring down 12 months of rehab without baseball how did you kind of wrap your brain around that yeah i i definitely felt pretty sorry for myself for a few days uh which i think is good you know you yeah. need to take a few days to to just let your emotions be whatever they are um but then I feel like pretty quickly I shifted my mindset to just looking at it as an opportunity. Um, you know, as as baseball players, especially as a professional baseball player, your schedule doesn't really allow you uh, 12 months without needing to be in midseason form. 
So I knew it was going to be an opportunity to work on addressing some other issues going on with my body to, you know, really, I guess, just get my get my body dialed in the way I needed it to be. And then also maybe rework some mechanical things and really just use it as an opportunity to learn as much as I can and um, see what kind of improvements I can make on the other end. Yeah, I think that's such a good message. It's something that we talk about. Um, I mean, I remember having that conversation with you. We talk about it with any of our athletes going through this, like we can make changes during this six, eight, 10, 12 months out of your sport that could last you the next two or three years or beyond. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's normal to have some ups and downs mentally, but like if you can stay engaged and try to take positives away from it, um, then you can be farther ahead at the end of it than you ever were before. For sure. I think it just helped me with my motivation during the rehab process too, because I wasn't looking at it as just my, um, as rehabbing to get back to where I was. I was thinking I'm going to be better than I was before. And like every day I show up to the gym or to rehab or whatever, I'm giving it my all because I want to try and, you know, be better than I was before. Yeah. So yeah, you got the, you got the, you know, late round draft pick uh, mindset that's, <laughs> yeah. that's yeah, carried you, you through. You have to. Um, all right. So let's kind of go into some of the specifics a little bit. What was, what was the early phase of rehab like, um, what were some big goals or big milestones that you felt like you were working for and maybe share like one of the hardest parts of that, that kind of early initial phase after surgery? Yeah, I would say the early phase was probably the most physically painful as well as the most mentally grinding, I guess, because you're doing such small basic movements that are so difficult and you're like why why can't i squeeze this therapy ball hard enough or whatever um for me a big thing was was getting my elbow range of motion right um because of my bone spur i had had pretty limited elbow extension before surgery um, as well as elbow flexion and so when they took that big bone spur out you know it was it was a pretty big goal to try and increase my elbow extension and flexion a little bit so i know we spent months working on that and literally i would just have my arm on the table with you cranking it down (laughs) i'm just like gritting my teeth trying not to grimace at how painful it was but um looking back now that was you know that was a really important part of the whole rehab was just getting comfortable with the, with the elbow range of motion. So I could, that that just kind of like set the foundation for everything else we did. Um, a lot of shoulder strengthening work, which I remember I found it a little bit surprising at the beginning, you know, you, you get elbow surgery, you're expecting to work on your elbow, your forearm, maybe tricep and bicep, but we really hammered the shoulder stuff, um, scapula, uh, really everything that, that feeds into the arm and, ultimately affects the elbow just as much as the forearm and and the other muscles. But, um, I think that was, that was a good opportunity just to build up my general arm strength and, um, you know, just working muscles that maybe I hadn't paid that much attention to prior to surgery. Um, but I, I guess like those first three or four months really just mentally they were mentally challenging because it was the same thing every day. You don't really see much progress that early. Um, you're dreaming of the days when you'll be throwing off the mound again. And it seems like 
an eternity away, but um, it really is important just to set the foundation and do things right. Um, you know, I every day I would go home um, feeling like I, I truly emptied the tank on those small exercises, even though they were such minute things we were working on. I felt like I I was giving them all I had. Yeah. No, I think that's that's really important. I think, you know, sometimes athletes fall in the trap of like, oh, I'm injured, so I can't do this other stuff. It's like, well, you had mm-hmm. surgery on one joint, so yeah. that leaves you know, three other limbs and yeah. the joints that surround it that you can still do stuff with even, even early on. We just, we hate it when we hear athletes that are just told like, oh, you can't do anything. Like you had one surgery on one knee, so you can't do anything on your other leg. It's like, well, why not? You could do, you could do all kinds of stuff on, on those other things without, without affecting it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I would say even so separate from my elbow rehab, we kind of came up with a plan pretty early of some mobility stuff we wanted to work on, some movement patterns that I needed to improve, and then how we were going to go about phasing me back into weightlifting. Um, I would say I took probably about a month off at the very beginning from doing really weightlifting. Um, You know, right after surgery, it was pretty heavily focused just on the elbow. But as soon as I started moving around a little bit, we, we started to hit, you know, some lower body stuff again, working on mobility and, um, core strength and, and posture stuff. Um, yeah. and I think all that stuff really isn't, it's obviously important for pitching, but I think that stuff kind of feeds into your arm health as well. Yeah. Well, it gets you feeling like a, gets you feeling like an athlete, like you're training, not just stuck on some treatment table doing, yeah. oh, doing yeah. stuff. I think I, I remember how happy you were the day that we were done doing your elbow uh, <laughs> range of motion. Yes. It was like the happiest day of your life oh, yeah. <laughs> at that point in time. Yes. So, um, how long how long about did it take for you to start throwing? And then, kind of, what was that? What was that first time that you got to hold a baseball and and throw it? Would that would that feel like for you? Um, I think I started throwing at four months post surgery, which. I remember actually that was a little bit on the early side compared to what some guys are told to start, um, but it still seems like a long time to yeah. to go without throwing. But obviously that's like one of the most exciting days of of the entire process. I would say first day of throwing, first bullpen, and first game are like the three big milestones in the in the whole process. So that first day of throwing, though, I remember was very weird. Felt felt. Um, just different you know it it was like throwing with a brand new arm and you're a little bit nervous to let it go testing it out you really have no idea what you're going to feel in your elbow so there's definitely some uncertainty there but you're also excited to be doing it again so it's just like a big mix of emotions Um, but I would say what one thing that did help me was throwing a tennis ball for a couple weeks prior to throwing my baseball um and just like gaining that trust of, of moving my arm in a throwing motion again, because as strange as it sounds that your I think your body like sees that as a threatening position to go in. So it wants to protect your ligament, wants to protect everything that was just restructured in your arm. Yeah. So you almost have to like train it and convince your mind that it's okay to, to let your arm move in this way. Yeah. No, I mean, I, we've seen stuff from people like guys spike balls two feet in front of them the first time they throw and it can be a you know a really exciting but also like sometimes it's eye-opening in the other direction of you're like 
I'm so far away from the mound still. Like, I'm really yeah. glad I'm throwing, but, like, mm-hmm. I'm not even halfway there. I've yeah. just got all this work left to do. Yeah. I would say that feeling kind of came with the along with the pace of the throwing program. You know, you got the first maybe month you're throwing at 60 feet at the same approximately the same intensity and you're like whoa i've just spent an entire month and i'm still only throwing 50 miles an hour so (laughs) that kind of puts it in perspective of of how long the road really is but i think that's all just part of the process is is taking it smoothly and i'm sure we'll touch on this a little bit more no i mean that's perfect so how did what was your experience like going through that um throwing program do you have anything that you want to share for for other players that are maybe in the middle of a throwing program, whether it be from TJ or, or some type of shoulder injury or something like that? Yeah, so I'd say the kind of like the general structure of my program was usually two weeks at a certain distance or intensity, and then you increase that distance or number of throws by a little bit. So every two weeks you're, you're building in some form or fashion. Um, the way I kind of felt throughout it was by the end of one phase, you know, by the end of that second week of doing something, I felt really good with it. I felt comfortable. My elbow wasn't really getting sore. Um, I felt like I was ready to move on. And then usually the, the first few days of that next phase where you add in either number of throws or intensity, my arm would kind of bark back at me a little bit. Um, and, and I think that's good in a way, you know, if you're, if you're, not trying to add too much at once. I think you need to push your arm just enough for it to get a little bit sore. Um, and then, you know, you, you continue with that you until that feels comfortable and then you build again. So it's just a constant process of adding a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. And it can get frustrating for sure. And it did for me to, to only add such small increments, you know, to go from 75 feet of 25 throws to 75 feet of 35 throws it doesn't really feel like a big increase but it it is you know on your arm the the way your arm responds to it it's going to need the time to adjust so yeah yeah. no i know i think it's i mean there's so much out there everyone's got a philosophy on throwing programs every mlb team does it different every you know um PT and and throwing place has different philosophies on it. I think, you know, truthfully, it just matters that you have some structure for you and that it, it is kind of like you said, it needs to be progressive. It needs to be gradual. Um, and it needs to be individualized to what you need to do. Um, I think you brought up that, you know, you started on the early side, um, and, you know, we try to go not just off of like, Oh, it's four months. It's time to start throwing, but, it was also four months, you had full motion, you had really good shoulder strength, you had no pain, you know, you had met all the, you'd been throwing med balls and doing some of this other stuff, you'd met all these criteria that told us it was okay for you to start throwing, and then that just gave us more time to do that gradual progression. Yeah, I think that's probably where some teams or doctors or trainers could go a little bit wrong with um, the return to throw program is not making it individualized, and you know, there's there's so many tools out there now with like the modus sleeve and radar guns, you know, all, all kinds of things to gauge your intensity and, and tell you what what you're doing. But I think ultimately every player 
it, it's it's really it really just comes down to what the player is feeling and what their arm is showing and telling you. Um, but I think the big thing that that I learned and have have learned from talking to other players who've been through it is that you just need to listen to your arm and and continue to build at a slow pace. Um, I think as long as you're doing those things, you're going to be fine. Not trying to jump up too much at once, and also not getting stuck at a at a level that you're ready to increase from. Yeah, no, I think that's uh, that's really good advice. So then we kind of you left left here at the start of spring training, went back down to to the um, facility down there. So what was it kind of like your first spring training back? Um, you know, I think some people just assume it's like oh they're they're back, but mm-hmm. what was that process like for you? Yeah, so that was when it was coming up on a year post-surgery that was kind of a weird time for me because um i so i guess going back to uh december of of the year of my rehab year so that would have been about nine months post-surgery i had just completed my return to throwing program that the doctor prescribed which was i believe a four-month program I had been throwing at 120 feet for like 50 throws. So my arm was feeling really good and I felt like I was ready to get on a mound. But the the team then decided that it would be best for me to completely shut down for a month, um, which at the time I didn't really agree with because I I had my eyes set on being ready to go for the start of the next season. Um, you know, you, you always hear 12 months is the typical Tommy John rehab. And I knew if I wanted to make it back by 12 months that I needed to get on a mound around that nine month mark. Um, and so when that didn't happen, that kind of set me back a little bit in my rehab process. Although thinking back on it now, it was probably worth it and smart just to play it a little bit more on the conservative side. And really just thinking about my long-term picture. And I know we've had, we had this conversation multiple times about how it's not worth pushing yourself through discomfort or for something that you're not ready for just for one extra month on the front end and sacrifice potential, you know, big repercussions on the back end. Yeah. Um, so I was kind of struggling with that at the time. Um, but I ended up in January, I picked up a baseball again, had another month of building back up, and then I went down to Tampa in February for spring training. So I was around that 11, 10, 11 month mark, and I still was was holding out hope that I could, you know, somehow be ready for the start of the season. Um, when I got down there, you know, it, it really became clear to me, though, that I wasn't going to be ready um, just because the once you start throwing off the mound, that's a whole new set of challenges as well. And that's really where I, I feel like I had the most um, struggles, I guess, like physically was just adjusting to the mound and then like a, a in-game workload. Um, but just getting back down there into, into the baseball atmosphere, into um, the swing of things, being around a team again, it was really good for me mentally just to like remember now like okay I put in all this work for the last year training and you know working on my arm my body everything now this is where I actually put that stuff to use yeah no I know I think it I mean people just sometimes forget that like you know 
position players are it's a totally different animal than than pitchers mm-hmm. it's like you've got to get your arm used to the stress to then start doing mound progressions and yeah. then you have to get comfortable with that and then you have to start spinning the ball again like mm-hmm. there's all these extra things um and and most of that's before you ever even have a batter standing there which yeah. then ramps it up again mm-hmm. so there's kind of all these these other things that go into it before you can get back in and and actually compete mm-hmm. i had a 20 bullpen uh build up before facing hitters so the first 10 or so were just fastballs getting comfortable throwing my fastball off the mound um, gradually increasing the intensity with that and then you know you start to add in your secondary pitches and and i guess the idea is by that last bullpen or the last few bullpens you're as close to a game intensity as you could be and i think that's where i ran into some problems because I, I hadn't necessarily been pacing myself the right way, I guess. Um, I think for those first 10 bullpens or so, I was maybe throwing out less intensity than I should have. And then as I started to ramp up while throwing all my secondary pitches, I wasn't really anywhere near game speed. Um, and then, so you, you throw in a batter then after those 20 bullpens and that you basically have to throw at game speed. Otherwise, you're going to get a, a comeback or smack back yeah. at your face. So you can't – if you throw a batter in there, I'm not going to take it easy, you know, throw 80%. I'm going to go all out. So um, that was really where I, I started to have some uh, some pretty big, uh, like, so, so, sorenesses and pains in my shoulder, elbow, forearm. And really, I, I think it was entirely because I didn't – ramp it up smoothly enough i think there was a really big jump in intensity um in a short period of time yeah yeah no i think it's i think it's important to continue to monitor um those those progressions um and have some type of feedback on kind of exactly you know whatever it is whether it's a gun whether it's a modus sleeve whether mm-hmm. it's just your own rating of perceived effort it's yeah. just something whatever you have available to you to get some type of feedback so that it is that nice smooth smooth progression yeah i think that's where the tools that are available are super helpful and should be used you know we have the resources available so why not use them to do yeah. everything the best way possible no that's awesome all right so then kind of the big moment that you work for for 12 13 14 months what was the uh what was the first game back like Honestly, it was, it, it, I felt like I was making my debut all over again. Um, I mean, you, I had many live BPs, I guess, down in Tampa for uh, like my, my rehab process, just facing hitters in, in simulated games and stuff. And then um, I had my rehab assignment where I was facing or playing in the minor league games. Um, but then to, when I finally ma- made it back to the major leagues, you know, the level that I, I was at before the injury where I had been putting in all the work to get back to this level, that was, you know, to me, that was really um, the, the ultimate feeling of satisfaction, of feeling like, wow, I did this. All this hard work paid off. Thinking about all the setbacks, the, the pain that I had been in, thinking about the days of cranking my elbow into extension <laughs> or, you know, doing body weight squats when I couldn't hold weight or whatever. Um, it all kind of 
laid the foundation and built me up for this point. And yeah, I mean, it was, was a really satisfying moment. And as athletes, it, it's important to be in, you know, absorbed in the process of becoming the best athlete that you can. But ultimately our goal is to compete on the field and, and let our hard work kind of show there. And, and that's kind of what I felt like I was able to do. Yeah, no, I think that's, uh, that's really good. And I think it's, Something that, you know, sometimes people have, it's like, we know that we know the success rates of Tommy John are, are pretty good. Um, but even with that, what people don't realize is, you know, a successful surgery is really just that they put the ligament in the right place. You know, the patient didn't die on the operating table from complications from anesthesia. You know, that's like yeah. a successful surgery. That doesn't mean you're going to get back. And even within getting back, it doesn't mean you're going to return at that same level. So there's a lot of guys that go on to have long careers, but they don't ever make it back to the big leagues um, or they end up statistically not quite as good as they were before the injury. And it's definitely not a sure thing. And that's what we really try to communicate to athletes. Like, you know, it's great that you had a good surgeon, um, that you had a good outcome that far, but like the work that you put in from here to now is going to let you go back and have success. And I think that was one of the cool things about your your story was that you were able to actually, you know, make it all the way onto the playoff roster your first year back, which is kind of a level higher than you've been, you know, previously. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, so I couldn't agree more. You know, I and I also probably had that common misconception in my mind before having TJ was, oh, yeah, like you, you get TJ, you'll be back at the same level. You'll be fine. Maybe even throwing a little bit harder. I think these are all common <laughs> Uh, things that people hear and I've even heard like some some parents of high schoolers think oh maybe I should just have my kid get Tommy John surgery right now so he can come back throwing harder well I was I had the best resources available probably in the world you know I I have the New York Yankees I had eight months of working with you I had world-class strength coaches trainers physical therapists mental coaches, pitching coaches, every possible resource that I could have to help me have the best success possible was at my fingertips. And it was still extremely challenging to make it back to the level I was at before. So thinking about kids who obviously don't have that same level of resources available, um, it's no guarantee whatsoever. And I think you hit the nail on the head with saying it's entirely determined by the work ethic, the attitude, um, how hard you work uh, once you have the surgery and, and what you choose to, to do, you know, going forward. Yeah. No, I know. I think, uh, you know, it's one of the fun things about, you know, being able to work with professional athletes at times is, you know, this is your guy's job. We can spend an hour and a half or two hours doing stuff and then you can go work out and then you can go throw after that and you can condition, late. you know, you it's your yeah. it's your whole world, right. you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, with high school kids, we've got to you know school's important still, yeah. and so we got yeah. <laughs> we have to balance right. that. But uh, yeah. no, I think that's a good message. Yeah. Um, a couple other things that I think um, were really interesting or that you did really well in your rehab process, um, and I could you know if you just want to give some quick insights. So you kind of talked about already. You hit on the fact that you sort of had this team that supported you with strength coaches, PTs. Um, your uh, skill coach, you even used a, a mental coach. You had a fantastic doctor that was really communicative. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the other thing that you did really well was, um, you know, you reached out to your network of, of other players that had had 
TJ previously, and then also you kept kind of checking in with guys that had, had surgery at the same around the same time as you. So I was just wondering if you could share how you found that to be helpful. Yeah, so um, it became pretty clear to me right from the get-go that the Yankees and my doctor really had my best interest at heart, um, which isn't always the case, sadly, in pro ball. You know, teams have certain things that they want out of a player, and, and, and so they have their agenda, which I understand there's a business side to it as well. But the Yankees supported me 100% in what was going to be best for the longevity of my career. Um, and and so, you know, I felt like that that built a level of trust to where I felt like I could go to them with questions and, you know, they would they would check in on me on a regular basis, um, even giving me the, the opportunity to come live at home and work with you in Milwaukee. Um, you know, at the time they, they said, we want whatever is best for you. And if spending three hours a day with, with your own personal PT is going to be the best thing while living at your house for your mental well-being is going to be the best opportunity for you to come back better from this, then we're all on board with that. Um, so I would say, you know, just having those resources available was was extremely beneficial. And then, um, you know, being in pro ball, sadly, but also in a good way, you do meet a lot of other players who've had the same surgery. Um, and I would say where that helped me the most was anytime I was experiencing some sort of discomfort or going into a new phase, um, really any sort of unknown, I could always reach out to multiple teammates and friends who've, who've gone through the same thing. And the vast majority of the time, they would basically say like, yeah, that's that's normal. That's how it is. You're going to be sore there for a little bit. You're probably not going to have a good feel for your slider here for a few weeks. You know, when you get into a game, you might not feel like you're able to warm up quick enough. So all these things that um, if you were to go through them alone, maybe leave you questioning or wondering if something's wrong, um, which I don't think that's a good mindset to have while going through an injury, major injury like that. So having having that connection to teammates is such an important part of it. Okay. No, I think that's, uh, I mean, I think it was always really helpful for you, like just from a confidence standpoint, which I think is just really key to keep that positive mindset and keep, you know, not having that doubt that starts to creep in. Yeah. Um, I think the other thing that you did really well was, um, you know, 12 months without baseball, it's your whole, whole world, um, was you took breaks and you found an outlet that was really good for you. So mm -hmm. what did you use as your kind of outlet and your getaway from, from the whole process to keep your mind busy? Mm -hmm. I got really into fishing. So um, I, I didn't really grow up fishing, um, but I, I knew I liked it from the few times that I have been fishing. And um, for me, it was just like such a such an escape from the day to day and just getting in my own head about how I'm feeling about what I'm missing out on in the season, whatever. And, you know, just being able to like go all in like mentally or, you know, I guess anything that I've chosen to pursue any skill or whatever, I tend to go pretty hardcore at it, like researching stuff, trying to be the best that I can be. So fishing gave me an opportunity to learn all about something brand new, to learn all these skills, learn the ins and outs of it. And 
in a way it was kind of a competitive outlet against myself, seeing how good I could get at it. Um, but also just, you know, a way to kind of take my mind off baseball, which I think is important. Yeah, no, I know we, we encourage even high school kids to like pick up, take some outlet, you know, and yeah. get, cause you've got this big time gap and that mm-hmm. competition thing. And just yeah. to give something to put energy in that's productive is really important. Yeah. I think just like, uh, having your your mindset be like as positive as possible is is such a an underrated aspect of really you know anything in life but when it comes to sports like your training like while you're training your performance everything if you come to the field or the gym excited to get better excited about what you're working on about how your body's feeling that's going to make such a big difference in how hard you push yourself in, you know, really everything, um, as opposed to if you're sluggish or, you know, just down, you know, feeling upset about what you're missing out on or doubting how you feel, or if you're going to come back, I really think the mind is a powerful thing that affects so much when it comes to training and baseball. Yeah, no, I think that's awesome. Um, any last thoughts or words of advice for anybody that's going through this injury or, or another major arm injury that, that you want to share? I would say physically, the most important thing is to just take it slow and build up gradually. I would say every, like every player who has big setbacks, it usually comes from trying to do too much too quick. And Unfortunately, there's no way around it. We all want to get back as quickly as possible. We all miss playing the game, but you really can't rush your body's healing process. There's just no way around that. So um, better to just listen to your body and be smart than to set yourself back and end up having to miss even longer than you would have. Um, and then I, and on top of that, I would say like take take your career and your development and your rehab into your own hands. Nobody cares as much about your career as yourself. So even though you're probably going to have good doctors, good trainers, physical therapists and everything, I would encourage every athlete to really try and learn as much as they can individually, learn about the unique quirks of your own body, about how you move, about what works well for you how you feel after doing certain things, take notes of all these things and use them to get better. Yeah. No, that's really good advice. All right. We're going to uh, kind of leave the TJ, uh, wrap it up on that. And then uh, we always end with a brief lightning round to just a uh, couple of fun questions oh to boy. let people get, get to know you better. <laughs> all right. All right. Let's settle this once and for all Nutella or Nutella. <laughs> I think it's Nutella, but my wife would say otherwise, but <laughs> You know, I just, I've always said Nutella and I actually called the headquarters in Germany one time and they said Nutella. <laughs> <laughs> right, there we have it. It's, uh, it's, it's Nutella. Nutella. Uh, um, what about, what's your go-to play on Madden? Ooh, stick. <laughs> it's just called stick. It's uh, five receivers. Well, one is a tight, so it's four receivers and one tight end. Shotgun formation, no running back. Everyone on the right side goes deep. The two left receivers <laughs> slant across the middle. Someone's always open. That's my go-to play. <laughs> <laughs> um, what about, uh, do you have a favorite strikeout in your career? Ooh. Oh, man. 
I would probably say my first one of my career was uh, Chris Davis, the, the year he was having a really, really good year. Um, I don't know, probably just because it was the first one and just reassuring that I could pitch at that level. But yeah. um, I remember it was a fastball up and he swung through it and I was like, okay, I just struck out a guy who's hitting 50 home runs. That's pretty cool. <laughs> so one of the funniest parts of your rehab was we ended up going to a, a Brewer game in the middle of your rehab and I forget who was at the plate, but uh, somebody was up and you and I were going to get some more food and you look back and you're like, whatever it was, you guys, yeah. you struck, I struck him out, 83, <laughs> 83 mile an hour slider oh, right yeah. down the middle or something yeah. like that. It's, no, it's, uh, it's still kind of surreal thinking about pitching in the, in the major leagues, you know, getting to face guys who are the best in the world and knowing that I can compete with them. It's a cool feeling. Yeah. And then last one, you have a, what's your favorite stadium? Obviously, you know, Yankee stadium is pretty cool to, uh, to pitch in, but yeah. what, what's your favorite stadium to throw in? I really like Fenway park. I think, the history of it is awesome. The the atmosphere of a Yankees Red Sox rivalry is really cool, and you know just something about like the the old ballpark. It's got some unique quirks to it, and just yeah, it it just seems like a baseball vibe when you go there. Yeah, really cool. Awesome. Well, I really appreciate your time today. It was a great conversation, and I hope that uh, baseball players are are able to take a lot out of this uh, information. Um, where can people learn more about you or, or follow along with what you're doing? Yeah, my uh, all my social media stuff is Ben Heller 21. So I try to put out baseball content on Instagram and stuff as well as just stuff about my life. Um, but I, I try to share things from my, my experience and development along the way. So yeah, follow along and um, I appreciate you having me. It was fun talking. That's great. Thanks again, and thanks to everyone for listening, and we'll see you on the next episode.